Morning, everyone. My name is Rusty Hawkins. I'm a, a professor of humanities and history in the John Wesley Honors College here at Indiana Wesleyan University. And I have the, uh, <laughs> I have the honor to introduce our speaker this morning, Dr. Willie J. Jennings. But before I introduce Dr. Jennings to you, I want to introduce to you why Dr. Jennings is with us today. Dr. Jennings is here on campus not only to speak in chapel this morning, but also to deliver the annual Luther Lee lecture tonight at 7 o'clock over in the, the Philippi Auditorium. I know what you're probably thinking, what is a Luther Lee lecture? I'm glad you asked. Let me answer that for you. And let me answer that for you by introducing you to a man named Luther Lee. Luther Lee lived in the 19th century. He was a radical abolitionist. He believed that the, the race-based chattel slavery that was practiced in this country in the 1800s was an affront to God and to humanity. And so he dedicated his life to, to eradicating what he saw as an evil system there. Luther Lee was also a, a fairly radical feminist for his, for his day and age. He preached the, the sermon at the ordination service for the first woman ordained to preach in the United States. And I might add that, that Luther Lee was also someone who felt that uh, the, the wealth inequality in our country was something that needed to be addressed. And so he committed his life to living a simple life um, so, that, so that inequality of wealth would not be a hindrance to the preaching of the gospel. In addition to all these things, Luther Lee was also a, a person who went on to help establish what became the Wesleyan denomination today. So when we say we are Indiana Wesleyan University, a Wesleyan university, we mean not only are we heirs to John and Charles Wesley, but we are also Wesleyan in the tradition of people like Luther Lee, who read in the gospel a call to overcome these social constructs of race, class, and gender in the pursuit of a reconciled, beloved community. So every year we have a Luther Lee lecture and we invite someone from off campus to come and speak to us about the ways in which Christianity speak to and instruct us to overcome social constructions such as race, class, and gender. And you might remember last year, Dr. Christina Cleveland was with us. She gave the Luther Lee lecture last year. And one of the, one of the feedback that we got from that lecture last year was that while Dr. Cleveland gave us some really provocative things to think about, we had no way to respond to those provocative ideas. Uh, hence the note card that you're given on the way in today. This is our attempt to remedy last year by um, giving you all an opportunity to respond not only to, to Dr. Jennings' chapel message this morning, but also perhaps his lecture tonight, seven o'clock over in the auditorium. If I mentioned that Luther Lee lecture tonight, love to see you all there. If you are challenged by something that is said to, let me change it. When you are challenged by something that you hear today from Dr. Jennings, I would encourage you to write it down, a question or response to this on your note card, and drop it off in a green basket. There will be folks out in the, in the foyer afterwards with green baskets you can drop your question into. And then on chapel on Wednesday, Dr. Newman and Dr. Bray have been so kind to allow us to have Wednesday chapel to respond to your question. So in a very real sense, you have the opportunity to shape chapel on, on Wednesday, so I would encourage you to, to do that by writing down a question or response to something you hear either today in chapel or tonight at the lecture, and then dropping that in one of these green baskets. All right, that's enough for me. Let me introduce to you our speaker this morning, the Reverend Dr. Willie James Jennings. Dr. Jennings is currently Associate Professor of Systematic Theology and Africana Studies at Yale University Divinity School. Dr. Jennings was born and raised just up the road in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
calm down because I'm about to tell you where he got his BA, and that was at Calvin College. So practicing reconciliation right here, Calvin and Indiana Wesson. And he got his MDiv from Fuller Theological Seminary in California and his PhD degree from Duke University. It's a, it's a bad time of year for Duke, you have to understand. Dr. Jennings, who is a, a systematic theologian, teaches in the areas of theology, black church, and Africana studies, as well as post-colonial and race theory. The author of numerous articles, Dr. Jennings' recent work, The Christian Imagination, Theology, and the Origins of Race, published by Yale University Press, won the 2011 American Academy of Religion Award for Best Book, and is now becoming a standard text read in colleges, colleges seminaries, and universities. Dr. Jennings is also the recipient of the 2015 Grahmeyer Award in Religion for his groundbreaking work on race and Christianity. In addition to being a frequent lecturer at colleges, universities, and seminaries, Dr. Jennings is also a regular workshop leader at pastor conferences. He is also a consultant for the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion and for the Association of Theological Schools. Recently, Dr. Jennings completed a commentary on the book of Acts, which will be published by Westminster John Knox later this year. He served along with his wife, the Reverend Joanne L. Brown Jennings, as an associate minister at the Mount Level Baptist Church in Durham, North Carolina, and for many years, they served together as interim pastors for several Presbyterian and Baptist churches in North Carolina. They're the parents of two wonderful daughters. Will you welcome Dr. Willie Jennings to the platform this morning? Good morning. It is a joy for me to be here with you as I look out at your faces. I'm reminded of my undergraduate years a thousand years ago when I was at Calvin College and chapel was a requirement. I remember many days coming to chapel, being sound asleep, sitting there, only waking up at the benediction. So I hope you'll do better than, than I did. Uh, I am uh, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, but I've spent many years in the Carolinas, and those of you who follow basketball, you know that there are two great Carolina teams vying for the national championship right now, both Duke and UNC, so uh, those of you who know the worth of prayer, <laughs> you, uh, you pray for both our teams, and I'll pray for that team that's somewhere around here as well. If you'll notice, up here there's a, there's a chair. Um, at some point in time, I might sit down, and I don't want you to think that I'm falling asleep when I'm sitting down. I was um, swimming a couple of weeks ago, and I did a strange flip turn. Those of you who swim, I did a strange flip turn, and I pushed off with one, one foot, and I felt something in my back tighten up, and it hasn't loosened up yet, so... If my face contorts, it's not because of anything that you're doing, it's because I'm feeling something. And if you see me slide the chair and sit, please know that I still love you. <laughs> this morning, I would like to draw your attention to a wonderful passage of scripture from the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. A few slender verses from chapter 11 of Hebrews, just a few of the wonderful verses there, beginning 
with verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. Beginning with verse 23. And the word of God reads as follows. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because, of they, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to draw your attention to these verses because they give us a powerful moment in the story of biblical faith. It is that Moses moment, as it's often called, and it's tucked nicely inside this chapter. And if you go too fast through this chapter, you might miss it. This Moses moment is not a story of courage. Though courage is involved in it, it is a story of faith. It begins with the desire of parents who want the very best for their child. This is always what distinguishes good parents from mm, not so good ones. Moses' parents hid him, protected him, shielded him because their child was precious and beautiful to them. You know, Pharaoh's decree, Pharaoh's decree was horrible. Jewish births were to be monitored, and should the birth yield a boy, he was to be killed immediately. Imagine that. You all, I am sure, know the story. Moses was spared, raised by Pharaoh's own daughter, in the house of the Pharaohs, in the house of power at the foot of the seat of power. Imagine that. What is it like to be spared and raised in the house of the pharaohs? This is our question, my friends. There was a saying in the church I grew up in that went something like this. But for the grace of God, you ever heard that one? But for the grace of God, there go I. It meant that for some reason beyond my comprehension, I was spared what happened to so many others. I was spared from all those things that would have destroyed my life. There was danger, 
whole lot of danger. But the poisons, the poisons that enter the lives of so many others around me, they never took hold of my life. I could have imagined, I could have imagined that I deserve to be spared because of my inherent abilities, my good looks, my ambition, my drive, my toughness. I could have imagined that. Or that my life is due to the quick thinking and forward looking of my parents. But my parents were serious Christians. They were serious Christians. And they would never let me think such a foolish thing. Never. They said that I was spared. Simply, clearly, plainly, I was spared. And because I was spared, I had to ask, I was required to ask God what God wanted me to do with my life. Requirement, because I was spared. And you all know, my friends, you all know that you all here have been spared. You see, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. From the perspective of so many people in this world and even in this country, we, in this room, we are in the house of the pharaohs. We are at the seat of power and we are Pharaoh's children. From the perspective of so many people in this world, we are Pharaoh's children. It's all about perspective. Because many of us, many of us, we don't, we don't feel like we have any power. Just a student, how can I have power? We don't feel like I have any power. Any say on what happens in this world? But that's not true. That is simply not true. It amazes me that we in this country, some of the most powerful people in the world, some of the most powerful people in the world, feel so powerless. How is it possible that such powerful people, such powerful people feel so powerless? You know what happens in America what happens in this country affects the vast majority of the world's population. And we who are Christian in this country, we are the church inside the house of the pharaohs. Moses understood that he had been spared. And he knew that he had to help his suffering people. We know from the story that Moses made mistakes right from the beginning, right off the chute. Boom. His timing was off, to say the least. <laughs> he got ahead of God in trying to make his life matter. But Moses got one thing exactly right, perfectly right, and it was the first thing, the first thing, and Moses got it just right. Moses 
chose to identify with those being mistreated, whose lives were being destroyed, and who, and he, and he chose against his identity as Pharaoh's child. This is the act of faith in God. The passage says that Moses, in doing this, was following the Christ. What does it mean to choose against our identity in this place and at this time? What does it mean to choose against our identity in this place and at this time? We could say, in the case of Moses, that he was actually choosing to return to his identity. But that would not be quite right. Because although he was of the people of God, he had been raised in Pharaoh's house, shaped in the ways of the Pharaohs. And Moses, remember, Moses never denied that he had been shaped in Pharaoh's world, formed in Pharaoh's sensibilities. But Moses refused to follow the line of thinking, the line of thinking that flowed out of the Pharaoh's house. This is what it means to choose against one's identity. This is what it means. It means to refuse to follow the line of thinking, to refuse to follow the line of thinking, to refuse to follow the trajectory of life that flows out of a history with the pharaohs. We need faith like Moses right now, my sisters and brothers. We need it desperately in this country right now. We live in very troubled social and political times. You all know this. You're smart students. You know this. If you watch the news people, take your pick. They would have you and I believe that we are caught in an endless struggle between the left and the right. And that no one is right and no one is wrong. And that the only place, the only sensible and safe place is in the middle, between the left and the right. The quiet, sedentary, do-nothing middle. Stay in the middle. But I'm here to tell you, there is no middle. The middle is a fiction, sisters and brothers. There is no middle between the left and the right. There is no middle. People of biblical faith, people who follow the Christ must choose just like Moses. We must choose to identify with those being mistreated, those in prison, those who are poor and disadvantaged, those whose voices are silenced in this world. We must choose. Choosing, choosing is not the first step of faith. It is the first step in faith. It is the first act of the people of God. 
And it is so risky and so dangerous precisely because it is unpredictable and uncontrollable. To choose is to enter into the uncontrollable. To choose means that you are yielding your life to the Spirit of God. Look at what happened to Moses once he chose. Choosing to yield to the Spirit is choosing to allow the Spirit to draw you into the uncontrollable and the unpredictable. What is the uncontrollable and the unpredictable? What is the uncontrollable and the unpredictable? Relationships. Relationships. The Spirit will draw you into relationships, real relationships that you cannot control, into real relationships that will change you. The Spirit is turned against all those forces, all those forces that wish to control relationships. And make no mistake, my sisters and brothers, make no mistake, if you don't remember anything else from my little chapel talk, Make no mistake, controlling relationships has always been at the heart of the troubles in this country. Keeping people apart. Keeping people apart. There are forces working day and night to keep us apart. People who need each other people who must have each other, keeping people apart, separated by class, separated by race, separated by sexual orientation, keeping people separated by neighborhoods, subdivisions, income levels, education. That has been a marvelous strategy of the devil. Marvelous strategy. Worked extremely well. I will let you Pray like you want to pray. I will let you confess what you confess as long as I can keep you apart. I win. I win. Pray as fervently as you want to. But as long as I keep you separate, I control you. That strategy has kept so many of us from entering into relationships that are more than superficial or utilitarian, driven only by the market. But if we choose like Moses, it will challenge that control. And there was one who chose just like Moses. He was, as the gospel says, he was like unto Moses. This one, this, this Jesus of Nazareth, he chose. He showed up at the synagogue on the Sabbath day, he took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, opened it, and read from the scroll those famous words that echo through time right to us right now. Right now! The Spirit of the Lord! The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Spirit has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to free the oppressed. And then this same Jesus, with all eyes on him, said today, this scripture has been fulfilled. I have chosen 
I have chosen. Today, I have made my choice. So now we have the specifics. If we, follow, if we faithfully follow the risen Jesus and yield to the Spirit of God, the Lord will guide us in our doing and direct us toward those who we would have never chosen. But the first thing, the first thing we must do is we must choose just like Moses. Amen, amen.